3: Mirror man, mirror man. you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. The loop is off. The away wins are on the board and I'm joined by none other than man like Matt Candela. How you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm good. I'm really
4: good. That was sensational win in my opinion really that was the toughest game of our group stages
3: and uh we escaped with three points away day wins in the champions league you forget how difficult they are you forget how teams raise their game uh, when was and the last forget- when was the last champions league away win that's a good question for someone in the comments um because <laughs> it must be a bloody long time yeah it's um it's, it's difficult, and we are we have not been good in Europe under Mikel Arteta. So to grind out a win like that, you forget how how good the atmospheres are um, across Europe. Like real colorful collective of supporters out there. Noise was good. Um, felt like an exciting occasion. I thought that green kit was looking really nice. Felt proper Champions League. It did. It did. Basel apparently
4: it says Jaffer says uh, Sean Sheehan. Um, Basel. Basel. I wonder if that was when Mo O'Nenny was playing for them. Could well be. Well, I mean, he's been playing for us for about 10 years.
2: Agreed Crazy that
4: Mo O'Nenny is going to get a testimonial before uh, some of the some of the better players who've been in the team alongside him. But yeah, yeah. I know. longevity is a skill. Longevity is a skill.
3: Drew, was Cole Jenkinson our longest serving player at one point? He could well have been, yeah. He could well have been. All right, Matt, we know that everybody's tuning in here late, so we're not going to mess around today uh johnny cochran has just joined the show just in time you're just lagging me off are you oh he's just about to give you a bit of a kicking (laughs) well i'm here now so uh
5: how are we doing we good
3: yeah we're good Good. never i can't remember ever seeing you in a sweater johnny
5: yeah yeah well it's just it's not that bad to be honest but you know I, i basically have two modes when it comes to my wardrobe it's either like this is hot stuff this is cold stuff and I'm in that little in-between-the-world right now and I'm just having to go full jumper on it. Do you know what I mean? Like,
3: At least that way I'm covered. Lovely. Go, right, well, you're go looking... full jumper. Go full jumper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're looking good. Uh, it's been a, it's a, a weird evening, but a victorious one. So I'm interested to see where you guys... Hottest takes. takes. Hottest of hottest of takes. The AOP, hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Macandela, I'm going to go to you first. Give Johnny a little bit of time to get his bearings. Macandela, where do you go with a hottest of takes after our hottest first victory away in the Champions League since 2019? Yeah, my hottest of
4: takes is I don't think they they don't give away away wins in the Champions League easily, and I think sometimes we're a bit guilty of being in Europa mode still, where we sort of turn up and you know just sort of expect us that if we play well, we're going to win, but it sort of reminds you, you you get to wherever you're watching the game and suddenly you're looking at the stadium and you're like, wow, it's packed, it's a big atmosphere, it's the biggest game of the season so far for them. Um, and, you know, it was a really, really, really tough game. And I, and I think it showed two things. I think, one, it showed that we have the potential to go far in the Champions League. And I think it also showed that we maybe have underestimated just how good the champions league is when the group stages away games are this hard and i think that we put in a really decent performance um but you know it could have gone either way ultimately and so um i think there's a lot of lessons to be learned and anyone who i think earlier on in the season
3: we were saying we're fourth favorites to win the champions league i think Uh, no matt i think we were i think we were more bullish than that i think we were like top two I think now,
4: you know, having just seen the standard, the quality, um, I think it just does deserve a bit of a reappraisal. And it's a little bit more like, how can we have a decent run? How can we get our feet under the table um, and get to grips with playing Premier League and Champions League
3: football? But it's going to be very, very tough to to go and win this tournament. Obviously. Johnny, M- Matt, Matt's taken his his hottest of takes. It's basically a mea culpa. He's apologising to the internet for saying that our group looked like a Europa League group. Uh, Are you going to be as apologetic, Johnny, or are you going to take yours in a very different direction? Hit me with your heist. Yeah, so kind of echoing to a certain extent where Matt was
5: going with it, but the the phrase, if you like, that is really tying it in a bow for me is that was a really grown-up performance. Grown-up shit. That's what it was out there. That was big players stepping up, I mean, the the occasion doesn't get any bigger. When you think about Champions League football, this is it, tough away fixture, you know, a team that, granted, haven't got the most pedigree in the Champions League, but in terms of European pedigree, simply one of the very best in Europe, absolutely, um, it can be a cauldron to go there. And to go there and perform like this, first of all, we gave them some absolute sauce. Gabby Jesus taking the piss, two outrageous goals. Um... But beyond the the flair that literally says, we're better than you, you can't do this, we're better than you, there were moments where you look at, and I know we're going to talk about these characters, so I won't jump the gun, but there were performances out there that just were, were literally, they reminded me of our best teams, like the teams that win trophies at the end of the year. Big players, big moments, stepping up and saying, no, we will not crumble. We're ready for the mental challenge. So my hottest of takes was that is as grown-up performance as I've seen of Arsenal in a very long time. And I'm including even the City game in that. I thought this was next level stuff. We know City, we're familiar with them. This felt like something new and we handled it with aplomb.
3: Ooh. It's kind of annoying, Johnny, when you take my hottest of takes. It's like you read my mind. I was going to say season, but I agree with you. Grown-up performance I think that the I've just tried to pull this out of thin air, but Champions League isn't pretty. Like like when you're in the Europa League and you're playing all over Europe and you're playing these ugly teams and the football's disgusting and you're putting out your second string and nobody really wants to be there, including the players, and you're dreaming of the Champions League and you're like, when I get to the Champions League, everything's going to be sparkling. It's going to be beautiful. I'm going to be mixing with a different type of clientele. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, my God. That was a grim, grim game to watch. It was difficult, you know, like there there weren't a lot of chances in the first half. There was resolute defending, mistakes were getting uh, punished and it was difficult out there. And I'm thinking about Sevilla as a Europa League team and I'm forgetting, no, these are in the Champions League. And it doesn't matter um, whether, you know, domestically, it doesn't matter what's going on. Um, I've, I think that some I had some flashbacks of being in the Champions League back in the day and being like, it doesn't matter. They're like eighth in the league. Players love playing under the lights in the Champions League. And that theme music, when it goes off, it sets something off in players. They all want a shop window themselves. And I forgot that. And I underestimated what was going to happen today. And I thought Sevilla were decent and they made it difficult for us i thought that they had some really nice moments and i'm feeling really really good about picking up three away points at a really tough stadium so my uh you know my my hottest of takes is champions league isn't always going to be pretty and we shouldn't be too critical of some of the things we saw out there today because coming away with three points going back to the top of the group that's going to make life a little bit easier as we head into the season yeah or- i think i think i'd just add
4: one thing which was We were under a bit of pressure after that launch game. Um, And the last place you wanted to go, having just suffered a defeat, is to play the hardest game, the hardest team in the group, other than ourselves, away from home. And I thought it could have got... The thing about the Champions League is if you lose two on the bounce, you're suddenly in trouble about qualification and the pressure just ramps up. Whereas now, with that win... I mean, I would have taken a draw before the game, personally, because I'm just like, just don't lose away, win your homes in the Champions League group stages. But to get the win was really significant, because if, if, we, if we hadn't, you know, it's, it's a completely different group. Yeah,
5: yeah, we we have completely stole the, you know, the impetus now when it was hanging in the balance after the Lons game. And you are thinking, oh, w- we were all confident of qualification, but I couldn't agree more, Matt. Even I'd have taken a draw And the other, you know, part of this, which bundles into hottest of tapes, sometimes you guys, when it comes to Premier League fixtures, I think you're a little bashful. You'll be like, oh, I'll take a draw here, I'll do that. And I'm more like, no, we've got to win, we've got to win, we've got to win because we know what we're up against. This competition, I err on the side of that a little bit more, like you guys, like, severe away, yeah, we'll take a draw because that's not where we need to do our work. We need to get very busy when we're at home and uh, and handle our business. And now, having gone to, uh, at least on paper, our most difficult fixture away and picked up the win, it kind of puts the uh, wind back in our sails. And really, we should be able to handle our business at home
4: and, and we'll sail through the group. I think it's a good point because if we were playing Seville in the last 16 and we got a, draw, a two-all draw away, you're like, okay, every, that's that's a good result. You know, we got away goals. Uh, we've come away unscathed. Now we've got them at home. And if you want
3: to win the Champions League, you've got to beat
4: them at home. So I agree.
3: All right, guys. Uh, we've finished out the hottest of takes, but if you're listening to this right now or you're watching us on YouTube, smack the like. We can't move on until we get more likes on this post. You're watching it. It's an easy move. If you're smacking the like and you're like, oh my God, I, I, haven't, I haven't subscribed. What should I do? Which one? Do both. Do both. You have full permission to subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the like. Okay, I'm seeing those likes going up. So let's move on um, to the next topic. Jesus, the magician. Uh, This game was all about Gabby Jesus and his moments of magic. Um, He pulled the ball down, did an amazing turn to set Gabby Martinelli off on a run for the first goal. And in the second half, he pulled a bit of magic out of nowhere. Dennis Burkamp-esque, Thierry Henry-esque, Robert Perez-esque. Just picked out the top corner and unleashed it, Johnny Cochran. Have we got Gabby Jesus back? Is that the is that the player that we've been missing since February?
5: Well, even if it Earlier. was, um, even if it was, uh, I think you know Sod's Law is that he limps off the field anyway. So you're like, oh, has he <laughs> rekindled the flame? Is he going to go on a run now? Well, no, he's actually going to come off with ten minutes to go, and hopefully, it's nothing too severe. It was more precautionary, but. This is what Gabby Jesus can do for you at times, and and to be honest, I don't want to have to be the old adage, putting someone else's candle out to uh, you know to puff up someone uh, someone else's. But this is what Eddie doesn't offer you. I'm, I'm afraid when he starts games, that assist for Martinelli's goal was world class football. That's what it was. Bring it down. There were two defenders on him. His vision in that moment, to be able to see what's happening around him, where the defenders are closing from, and to just turn on an absolute sixpence. And then where's the vision? Yeah, I'm going to be able to match that as well. Into your path, Gabby. And then it's just up to Martinelli to, you know, finish off his little dribbling scrimmage, which he did with a aplomb. And then, the, I mean, you know, it must have given him confidence because the way he dispatched the goal absolutely rude. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my God. Literally, I was like, oh my God, what a goal. Like, you know, one of them, sometimes you could be screaming the house down, yeah. And then sometimes it's just, you just have to say it to yourself because you've been surprised. What a goal, wow. And that is what, that's what caught me out today. I was not expecting Jesus to be able to do that kind of thing, but we know he has it in his locker. The problem is, is that he doesn't produce those kinds of games on a regular enough basis to make our striker issues just disappear and say, well, he's here already. We we know that on his best day he can do that. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Yes, Sergio Ramos is not necessarily at the peak of his powers, but if there's a more you know experienced, dominant defender in Europe, we don't know him in in the recent era. And Jesus played him incredibly well. So I just have to take my hat off in moments like this and say. This is, this is everything that Jesus has. Um, he, he can link play. He can score goals. It's brilliant. It's just that, you know, to get to the next level,
3: we'd like to see this happen on a more regular. Matt, has Gabby Jesus entered the Lacazette zone with Arsenal fans? We like seeing him on the pitch, but we don't really expect much from him. And did tonight do a little bit to dash that vision.
4: I don't think so, because I think his stan- uh, our standards are a lot higher than they were with the Lacazette days. I think we know we need a striker and a nine who scores goals. Um, I think you talked about players who hear the Champions League theme music and it does something for them. Well, it doesn't do it. It doesn't. There's no one that it does more for than Gabby Jesus. As soon as he hears that theme tune, he just starts hitting top gear. And I think he's just been phenomenal in the Champions League so far the frustration with gavi jesus is not his ability it's his inconsistency you know i thought he was poor against chelsea offered very little indeed and then today he's like a world beater and it's frustrating because like you said johnny we can just we could just put we could just shelve all those comments about a number 9 and just watch him go and i think when he first arrived at the beginning of last season it felt like he was the answer to all our prayers ever since his comeback from the injury it's just been so inconsistent um, so hopefully this is just the beginning of betting in that front three I think they played 14 minutes before Chelsea now they've got another you know full full match between them our season is going to rest on those three hitting the numbers of last year if we do we win the league because we've added depth and Declan Rice
3: so um, we've got to just get him into form and hope he can stay there yeah, I thought, I thought Gabby Jesus was brilliant today. I don't know whether you can read too much into it, but he did win Man of the Match, and there is a picture doing the rounds on the internet of him coming back out onto the pitch, uh, taking a little selfie with him against the backdrop of uh, sad, severe fans. So hopefully that means something. I mean, at least he's not iced up. It didn't um, look like a because some people are saying a hamstring, but it looked like a knock to me um, yeah. in the,
4: in the replay rather than a muscle pull.
5: He was holding his hamstring. He was, he was. That's why I like you. With both of those bits of information, I'm less worried because if it was something worrying with a hamstring, he'd have pulled up sharp. He didn't. But I think it was more of a little tweak. Oh, what was that? And let me just come off. Because he didn't need to risk it. And uh, it worked out, obviously.
3: And, And listen, on the performance, I just want to see more of that. In the first half of his Arsenal career, before we got that horrible injury at the World Cup, he was electric more often than not. And I don't know, I felt at times we haven't really seen the full force of his presence. And that could be down to a few things. It could be shaky form, but it could also be the psychological impact of a horrible injury. It takes a while for players to trust their body. Um, there might be a little bit of that he's not giving 110% like he normally would he's just giving 90 but today would be a confidence booster so for him to get an assist and a goal um away in the champions league like you've got a fear for what's going to happen to Sheffield United because i want to see him rack up the goals i don't yeah, think it's- the, thing, the thing for me that i find so strange is
4: that people say he's not a great finisher but i think some of his finishing is wonderful you know like like look at today look at the finish against man united um, and and so he's he's got it all in the locker. It that it feels like more like a psychological issue rather than a ability or a technical issue. And I think that's probably what Mikel Arteta thinks, and is why he bought him from Manchester City. But it's not a calmness, or it's not a not knowing what to do. It's not an ability to execute. This this it does feel like it's in the in the head more than anything else.
5: Yeah, it's definitely. Um... A, a mentality issue in certain moments. The problem is, is, and, and I don't think it completely fits Jesus, but something like today is a wonderful goal that's been scored. But again, to use the cliche, there are great goal scorers and scorers of great goals. And sometimes you can be hypnotised by, oh, what a goal. I'd rather, you know, four tappings in five games than one screamer like that. Like not interested. That's why if Eddie was delivering the currency in his position, which is goals, goal every game or whatever, I wouldn't be sitting here going, you've got to get Jesus in, despite him being a better player. Because if you score goals, stay in the team. But if you don't, then it's just going to boil down to who does more. And Jesus certainly offers quite a lot with his general play, but we'd like to see him scoring on a more regular basis to make the you know naysayers, naysayers disappear.
4: But it does sound from the comments, uh, some people watching the Arteta interview live, uh, that Arteta said he felt his hamstring and wanted to come off. Uh, Uh, But
3: remember, at least... These these hamstring injuries are driving me up the wall. Like They're out of control. But you can't
4: blame anyone for someone getting a hamstring injury in the 80th minute. You can, I don't think
3: you, you you can. All, like a, a soft tissue injury. Hamstrings are down to wear and tear always like clubs. Clubs will work hard to prevent hamstring injuries because it's, it's not hundred percent in their control, but it's very much in their control. That is a fatigue injury for a player that hasn't played a lot in the last 10 months. So either that's way, really, that, really That's
5: him saying felt the hamstring wanted to come off. This is not, snapped my hamstring, needed a stretcher to pull me yeah. off. No, the, key like now getting, is, yeah. the key now is whether Arteta looks at that as a situation that he then protects Jesus against on the weekend. Is Eddie coming in to make sure that we don't go, oh, he'll probably get through the game, and then he actually pulls it? So it's not about you can never have tweaks to muscles. It's how you respond to the warning signs. And previously, Arteta has been... A little fast and loose when it comes to player welfare. When when we get like warning signs, yeah. But, but
4: it's also, if the, there's a, the, if the, there's
3: a weekend to miss, it's Sheffield it's, United at yeah, home. It's exactly. But it's uh, it, it it should certainly alarm the performance team that we are getting so many tweaks. It's not like we've got a veteran squad out here. It's not like we're our Madrid and you're like, well, they're all thirty eight. This is uh, this is a young group of players, and maybe that's a bit of a dated opinion. Of Madrid, they've signed a lot of young players. All right, uh, let's move on to a subject that I did not think I would be putting up here. Tommy Yasu comes in at left back and he's getting a lot of flowers out there. Defensively rugged, um, brilliant in the duels, uh, pretty decent going forward. I mean, he's no Zinchenko going forward, but he did enough tonight. Um, Andela, like, does he deserve his flowers and does he deserve an extended run in the team? He's looked good every time he's come on this season. For me, he's the number one left back.
4: Um, I don't think you can have a left back. who can't play against the top six away from home uh, as your first choice. So I think Tommy Yassi is the first choice. And I think Zinchenko is uh, the creative player who can come on against lesser opposition. I think that's just the shift that's happened. You know, we've just started seeing it. Um, I think Tommy Ass is fantastic. Uh, his availability has always been his biggest issue, but now he looks to have solved that. He looks a little bit leaner. Uh, looks sharp, looks hungry, looks ready. Last season we were saying maybe it's time for him to go if he can't stay fit. Now he's cementing that position. And I think it's interesting because you look at Manchester City all those years in the Champions League and not quite getting it over the line or making it or being as successful. And they had all these technical players in the back line, the Zinchenkos, the Cancelos, all of that. And they realised that in knockout football, it's about not conceding, uh, being better at defending, understanding there are going to be difficult moments. And they went, ultimately, they had four, basically four, four centre-halves um, playing in their back four. You look at our team now, we basically got four centre-halves across all the positions. It just so happens they're all extremely comfortable on the ball. But it's another bit of Man City IP that we're adopting, I think. Tommy Yasu, Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel. It's like the, it's the North London Wall. And, um, and I'm now, I'm now of the opinion that that is our first choice bet for.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
3: That was almost a spicy hot take there. Our best left-back is Tomiyasu. Johnny, what does it say about Tommy Asu that he's been in and out the side, he's had a lot of injuries, and he plays at left-back, he sucks it up, and he delivers a performance like that? What do you make of the Tomiyasu resurgence? And is Matt right about who's the best in that position?
5: Well, yeah, first of all, he's definitely right. I mean, this is what I was saying after Chelsea. I'm done with Zinchenko playing left-back for a little while now. I need to see some bench time. He needs to learn to do better uh, if he wants to keep playing for Arsenal. Tommy Asu is easily one of the best defenders at the club. He is someone you can give an assignment to, which is, you know, you're up against their insert name, tricky winger, very good. Can you, you know, uh, um, go man-to-man defending that player? Yes, he can in most um, circumstances. There's no frets to the back post. Oh, dink it to the back post and try and dominate your uh, fallback in the air. No, you don't get that with Tommy. Tommy's a bully. He can play centre-half. It's excellent. And When you think about what Zinchenko generally brings to the team, we excuse a lot defensively because of what, either from a perceived or legitimately, what he brings... Offensively and our ability to, you know, stabilise and control the game. But, you know, we we see it as Tommy can't do that, but he can defend well, and Zinni can do that, but he can't. The, the coefficient, if you like, between them is moving way, way more. We are dropping far less offensively and strategically and tactically when Tommy plays there from an the, uh, offensive point of view than we are what we're losing from a defensive point of view when Zinchenko plays. It's that simple. That makes the equation very simple for me. We stick to Tommy Assey playing all the time. He's easily a markup on Zinny, in my opinion. Um, In terms of what it says about him, I've learned nothing new. I've always thought this was the situation with Tommy. He is an absolute go-to guy. He'll always give you 100 of course, there are the odd game where he doesn't play well, but I'm saying it's an odd game. 90% of Tommy Asu's, you know, stint at Arsenal has been good and it's been plagued by injury. So, again, I learnt nothing new about him, but it's just re—it's just more affirmation that he can step in in big moments and he will give you 110 and match the level needed. So, it's great. Let's see Tommy have a little run in this team now because I, I, I really feel like he can make this position his own.
3: I'm, I'm with you both. I think Tommy Asu has, has, has spent a lot of time on the training ground, working hard, getting fit, trying to be available. And he deserves a run in the side after that performance. If if this is a real meritocracy, there's no reason that we don't see Tommy Asu uh, at the weekend. I love the flexibility that he offers us. You know, he can play all across the defence to a, to a higher level. I love his attitude. Um, and I love what he brings to the game and Arsenal need a bit of solidity and we all love Zinchenko and we all love what he can give to the side. And I think some of the criticism of him has been a little bit over the top. Um, you know, I saw a lot of critique over the weekend. that was a little bit unfair. It's like, think of where we've come with that left back position, but he's not in great form at the moment. Didn't start the season, hasn't had a lot of good games, <laughs> makes a lot of mistakes that people ignore. Time to give uh, Tommy Asu a go. And I-, I like Matt's comment about the, the four centre-backs that we have at Arsenal. It's, I don't think they're traditional centre-backs, but we've got the we've got the vibe of having four centre-backs and the, I, the,
4: the North London wall. Woo. The North London wall, but I would still say I play Zinchenko on Saturday. I mean, if there's a game to play Zinchenko, it's against Sheffield United at home because it's a deep block. It's at home. Um, someone else to pick the lot. Keep Tommy fit. He's a guy who has proven... That when you overplay him, he gets injured, and we've got a big trip to St James's Park the week after. We've got Ch- We've got uh, we've got West Ham next week. Um, so you know, first choices don't have to play every single game. Would be would be my uh, my final say on that.
3: Well, right, there's uh, just a bit of uh, rules in the YouTube comment section. There's a bit of objectification of Johnny going on right now. We've had a fan say, "Get your kiss off, Johnny." This isn't the forum for that, mate. This is not this is not Johnny's OnlyFans site out here. You'll have to go to you know, it's a different different platform for that. We
5: can hyperlink that
3: anyway. You know, it's uh it's patreon.com forward slash <laughs> the Arsenal opinion. It's five bucks a month. Uh, and Johnny will literally do anything <laughs> to, to get your five bucks. Uh, all right, let's uh let's I tell you, we're gonna move on to a, we're gonna move on to a tough subject now. I, I didn't want to put it up. You know, one of my favorite players is Martin Erdegaard. But this, the topic of this conversation, Erd had gone off the boil. Uh, Martin Erdegaard uh, was not good today. Didn't have a good performance. He wasn't strong in the challenge. Passing wasn't great. Didn't really contribute to the overall flow of the game. Felt like he was very, very advanced during the game, but he didn't have a lot of impact. Um, Johnny, what's going on with Martin Erdegaard at the moment? Like, If we're living in a world of meritocratic um, selection, does Martin Erdegaard need a little bit of a rest?
5: Well, it's kind of similar to the fact that, you know, like Saka at the start of the season, given a lot of patience, we know that Mikel does not like to mess around with his key players, even when they're having stinkers, stinking the place up. The last two games, you could certainly put Erdegaard in that category. Really, really like anonymous performances, not doing anywhere near what we would come to expect from him. Yeah, just all, all round, not meeting the mark. That being said, there are certain players that are so pivotal to the way that we play when they're, you know, at their best. The manager, and I think the fans to a certain extent as well, we're already convinced. We don't need convincing of these players' quality. And we ultimately allow them to play themselves back into form a little bit. If he was going to be sat down, again, perfect game to do it. I don't think we need Martin Erdegaard to beat Sheffield United. Fabio Vieira, if you are going to come in or Kai, Kai might be getting game time anyway, but Fabio Vieira, if you're going to come in, mate, if you can't do it against Sheffield United at home, we've got bigger questions yet again. You know what I mean? So these are the kinds of games to drop people out. But for sure, Martin has just not been hitting the heady heights lately. And, um, you know, hopefully he can recapture and
3: rekindle that form ASAP. Matt, um, Martin Erdegaard, a little bit out of form. It's quite amusing to see people come back and say, see, I told you at the start. I told you from the loan he wasn't good enough. No doubt and of his quality, but his form doesn't seem to be there at the moment. Does one of our most played players need a bit of time out of the squad or does Arteta need to play him into form?
4: I think it's a good question. He's out of form, no doubt about it. Um, I wonder if it's got something to do with Norway. Um, he's obviously the captain. Um, I mean, it's embarrassing for Scotland, to qualify above you, when you've got Martin Odegaard and Erling Haaland in the team, I mean that's just a fact. You can't, you can't be letting that happen. Uh, and I wonder if he has a sense of personal responsibility. Even at the last, he just wasn't able to get it. Uh, to get, they weren't able to get it done. It's very, very disappointing for them, and especially for people at that upper echelon of the game. Um, for me, um, you've got to use these moments as opportunities. It's going to be a long season. Martin Odegaard is going to come roaring back into form. And you know when we want him peaking? April, May next year. I'm not bothered about him not peaking now. But for me, there's an opportunity here. And there's one player who I think can play that number 10 role. He used to play it for Arsenal. And that's Emile Smith-Rowe. And I get Emile Smith-Rowe in. He's ready. He's raring to go. It's Sheffield United at the weekend. Take Martin Odegaard out the line of fire. Give him a break let him know his place isn't guaranteed and then get him ready and raring to go at St James's park a week later. Cause we need our best players and Martin Odegaard is one of our best players. So it's not a dropping. It's a little minute away, but let's see what Emil Smith Rowe can do in that number 10. I think we might all be a little bit surprised or not surprised.
3: Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he, I think it's a bit of a dated view to be like, if you're a captain, you play every single game because that's the way that you get injured he doesn't look in form at the moment. He's right up there with Bukayo Saka for minutes played. I mean, he's a really, really robust player, but he doesn't look like he's at the races at the moment. I would love to see Smith Rowe given some minutes. I think that one of the mistakes that Arsene Wenger used to make back in the day is he would have backup players in the squad and he would only introduce them once somebody got injured. And what does that tell the player? It says you don't trust them, you don't care about them, and then you get abject performances out the back when you need to call on someone. I think that you have to show Smith Rowe a bit of love and Sheffield United is a perfect game for form um, for him to show off a little bit and to uh, feel a bit of the love from Arsenal. So I think that um, I would rather gear. you know, read the warning signs. You know, Saka's looked tired at times this season. And then he gets a little tweak. Like Martin guard hasn't had a tweak yet, but you fear that that might be coming. So uh, I'm in agreement with you both on that. All right, let's move on to uh, Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, He's been out with a hamstring injury of his own, but he's back in the side. Um, I want to talk to you both about that finish. He picked up on the the Jesus run. He absolutely skinned uh, the severe defenders, but I had flashes of Theo Walcott going on a run like that and missing, uh, but he kept a cool head. He scored a goal. How important is it, Johnny, that Martinelli gets back into the scoring form and gets us 20 goals this season? It's really important, and he—he a player
5: that is so easy to overlook, and I, he really is. The way that we set up, there's a lot of, and I'm rightfully so. There is attention on Saka and Erdegaard and that, but sometimes you—you you, you know, blink and you miss the stuff that Martinelli does. He is such a talent. He's arguably the best dribbler at the club. So good on in possession, and he's got a killer eye in front of goal. He's one of our best, better finishers. And it's funny that you bring up the Walcott comparison. We've had a number of strikers, strikers, attacking players, anything, you know, who, when they get through on goal, you just simply cannot trust that they're going to finish. You can't trust that they're going to dispatch. We've had the likes of Aubameyang, for instance, when he was, you know, red hot, where he might. But so often it's like other players who you're like, oh, no, he's missed again. He might score, but... Gabby looks like he can be a real menace in those situations, and what what's so excited about me so, so, what so excited me about it was partly going back to the conversation we said earlier about what it means to how you have to win in a Champions League. when you go away from home, there are times you have to play on the break. The teams are too good. You are not going to Bournemouth away here. This is not what this is. They are serious units, teams that have no how to take you down. And you can't just sit there dominating possession all the way through. And when Gabby plays, in comparison to, say, a trossard, you have an absolute outlet with pace. Because you've got a guy who, when he runs at his fastest, and he is one of the quickest players with the ball, there aren't many players, uh, defenders in world football that could keep pace with him. I'm talking about a list of less than five. You know what I mean? One of them plays for us. (laughs) That's that's the reality of it. So when we are going to be at our best, if we're going to do well in Europe, I think Gabby's going to have to be a big part of it because he offers us um, a route out on the counter-attack. And if he's going to score and be as ruthless as he was today, that will send chills down opposition defenders' um, spines all over Europe.
3: Matt, Martinelli is one of the most exciting players in the squad. We've been watching him since he was 18 years old. Do you see more maturity in his game this season? Is he starting to develop a bit of that killer instinct? Well, it's been a
4: stop-start right this season, right? He's got injured; he was sort of a slow start, injured, not quite right. And every but but every time he's got minutes, he's threatened. And it says something to say. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that by the end of the season, we're saying Martinelli's our best player. I really don't. I think he's got all all the attributes. And the biggest attribute he's got, for me, is his character. Because um, I think if you ask me what Saka had more than anything, it's his decision-making. He never makes a bad decision. Just so great uh, 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 and so efficient. But Martinelli, it's just that um, unwillingness to uh, be defeated. Like against Chelsea, I thought the whole team were poor. But the one player who didn't look phased by the rain, who didn't look phased by the poor performance, who kept going is Gabby Martinelli. Today, you know, great save from the goalkeeper to deny him the first one. He didn't get that first one-on-one. But the second one was 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 fantastic. He never stops running. He's so dangerous. When people are like, oh, well, Trossard's, you know, which maybe Trossard should start. It's like, Trossard's a super sub. That's what, that's what he is. He's fantastic. Super sub. And he's proven his worth. He's a Silva and Wiltord but Martinelli has the potential to be a Robert Pirès-esque level of player um so we're just so lucky to have him we've got to keep him fit um and uh and
3: yeah it's it's great i love a brazilian that makes it in the premier league totally different cultures totally different pace of life totally different game and they just lap it up. I mean, he looks like he absolutely loves the game. He he reminds me a little bit of um, of Luis Suarez in the dogged approach to the game. Nothing phases him. Never gives up. Chases everything down like his life depended on it. And what we're waiting for is the finishing to to click because once that finishing clicks and he goes into Suarez mode, Alexis Sanchez mode, he's gonna be I, I think he's a sleeper for one, you know, for becoming one of our best players. He has um everything that the front three has. Um, but I just love his drive in the game. And I, I really want to see him have a clear season. For injuries. I don't want to see the stop-start um, issues that we've had in the past. Like He needs a good three months in the team, and I want to see him get to 20 goals because he's definitely capable of being a 20-goal-a-season striker for us, but I love the fact that he did that in the Champions League. He must have had all sorts of things going through his head when he's running through on goal. Um, so brilliant performance from him. Let's hope that he can keep fit, and we're going to need him um, over the next few games if we've lost Jesus for another three weeks. Um, all right, Let's talk about something difficult again. Uh, David David Raya. He's he's got a lot of fans. A lot of fans are, are playing close attention to him. The British media seem to really get behind uh, Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, people were talking to Arteta in the press conference about the song. You know, away day fans singing the name of another goalkeeper who's not even in the stadium is is pretty grim. Um, and we were hoping for a bounce back performance. We saw some shaky moments, you know, one shaky moment with a, with a pass out from the back. We saw an absolutely world-class save where he tipped the ball onto the bar. But then in the 93rd minute or whatever it was, he came out for a punch, didn't look like he was looking at the ball and it skimmed off his glove just over the bar. I think a lot of Arsenal fans had a little accident in that moment. Um, Macandela, uh, you've been paying close attention to David Raya. You've got some pretty strong opinions. Have they changed after today?
4: Stats tell us that he's a better goalkeeper. It's as clear as it's as clear as that. Every single stat says David Raya is a better player. Every eye test says. Why are we doing it? <laughs> That's the way I feel anyway, um, because he doesn't make me feel confident um he feels like he spreads nervousness um maybe aaron ramsdale would be more bold if he was completely fine to just make mistakes and keep passing the ball to opposition players maybe i'd be more bold if it was that um don't be facetious i'm not he's making mistakes every game um that if it was aaron ramsdale he'd be swapped out um but I just think that the decision's been made and we've got to get behind it. Of course we're behind him. He's the Arsenal number one. Why would we not be behind the Arsenal number one? It just doesn't help that for so many of us, Aaron Ramsdale is symbolic of the shift in culture. He was one of the beacons of this like, new spirit. Uh, we love him as a person. We love him as an individual. But you know what? There's been loads of Arsenal players that we've loved. And when we had them, we didn't win stuff. And there have been loads of players who have played for Arsenal who were nasty bastards and they helped us win stuff. Not that David Raya is that, but it's about what makes the team win. And if Mikel Arteta says David Raya is the player, he's going to be better for the team, then um, Mikel Arteta knows a fair bit more about football than I do. Uh, The stats also don't lie. It's just, it would be great if there could be a moment, a big save, uh, 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 a significant... Uh, even an assist. <laughs> Isn't that what we bought him for? But um at the moment, he just looks, he looked a bit out of his depth. And I was thinking to myself while he's there, you know, he's obviously going, trying to be number one in uh, the, the Spanish number one goalkeeper. And I was thinking if I was the Spanish national coach watching this performance, I, I wouldn't be picking him. Um But, you know, it's early days. I'm behind him. It just, it's so hard. because We've just got such an amount of love for Aaron Ramsdale. But, you know this isn't about who you like most it's about who's the best for the team and i think david roe is going to be the best for the team
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at
2: Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Johnny,
3: David Raya passing the stats test, but not the eye test. Uh, What do you make of this, and what would you do in this situation? So, yeah, I said the other day I would... um I'm more
5: than happy now to see Ramsdale return to the team. To, to you know, to, just to go over it again, the basics of it, I understand as well that if, if I was if I was unsure or anyone was unsure, David Raya is the number one. There is no, you know, he's made a rod for his own back, Arteta, by saying that it was going to be meritocratic and he was going to choose keepers and he wanted to change them around more. It feels very hard to look at it what Raya is serving up week in, week out, and think that Aaron Ramsdale will not be getting dropped for that sort of stuff. I don't remember Ramsdale being as bad as what Raya is starting to put out now. Some of the stuff is weirdly bad. Like, Ramsdale gives you kittens, honestly, with some of the stuff he does, on, you know, at times. But I'm thinking back to the City game where Raya's letting the ball run across his body, getting hounded down. He's had the ball taken off him or slashed past it to an opposition player like in the last three games, put us under pressure. These are big, big moments. I mean, the punch is absolutely laughable. I thought he'd literally punched it into his own goal. And I honestly think two things will be happening. I don't think Arteta was ever going to come out and just be like, right, that's it, you dropped or whatever else. I think he was going to try and give Raya a goal ago, but I do think that Arteta will yes be looking at stats, but partly like he'll look at some of the situations that our, uh, Raya is putting us into and go, this is a you know this is a bomb waiting to explode, basically ticking time bomb, um, because we've been getting lucky to get away with some of these incidents, and some of them we haven't, obviously. But um, again, I don't think that he is going to necessarily bring Ramsdale in. But we've got to remember as well that Raya is on loan and we might not even pick up the thing if he starts being I think he's going to get a good run this year, but he will have to start showing improvements. I don't think it is asking too much or being too ruthless to say stop making calamitous errors that are either gifting opposition uh, players goals or, you know, we're getting away by the skin of our teeth because luck is not a tactic. And we are only getting away with some of these horrendous errors through luck. That is not going to see you over the line over the longer term.
4: I mean, another way of looking at it, though, is you know, it's, it's good luck. It's good to have a lucky general, for one. Uh, luck is not necessarily a bad thing to have. And it seems like David Rayer is quite lucky. I think the second thing is because we love Aaron Ramsdale, the person, we overlook some pretty terrible moments you know I think I'm thinking back to Fulham at home earlier in the season that you didn't really get blamed for but I thought it was a poor effort Southampton last season passing it in the run-in when all the pressure was on so you know are these is it just that the situation is making us look extra hard at every single claim every single kick because of this like situation that's being created Versus just going, well, you've come in, we've beaten Seville, we've beaten Manchester City, uh, we're top of the Champions League group, we're flying high towards the top of the Premier League. Like, What are we complaining about?
3: Yeah, I think that that's exactly right. I think that if Arteta thought that David Raya was damaging the team, he would have him out. I think that he probably looks at the form of Aaron Ramsdale before, He's like, well, hold on a minute. What are you asking to go back for? The player that was part of a bit of a collapse at the end of last season, the the goalkeeper who ranks number 12 in the Premier League for shot stopping, the guy that doesn't come for crosses anymore, the guy who's passing really died. The thing that I liked about Raya today is I thought he was aggressive with his passing. I think that Arteta is asking him to get involved in like rondos in the build-up, which is absolutely nuts for a goalkeeper. Um, the mistake at the end wasn't, wasn't great, but overall his claims for crosses in the game, thought he did a good job. He made an absolutely world-class save. Um the, the sort of saves that we used to see at the start of Ramsdale's uh Arsenal career but didn't see after that. And I think that there are two things for me. Number one, don't don't rest your hopes on Ramsdale getting back into the side. It's not happening. He's Arteta is wedded to this new idea of playing. And quite often New ideas take a while to bed in, and he had this idea with playing Thomas Partey as a single pivot, and everyone was like, you Can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And it didn't age very well because he can do it. And I think that Arteta is gonna see this out. And worst case scenario, he won't sign him if he doesn't it doesn't hit the mark at the end of the season. But I don't think you're gonna see Ramsdale back. I think Ramsdale's gonna go in January, and he should, he shouldn't sit on our bench for the rest of the season. Um and I'm I see well, the green You suit. can't have you can't have Carl Hein. As the backup for the running. I think we'll bring in a backup. I think we'll bring in a
4: backup. And I, but the, I, I don't... The, the problem with that, though, is that we spent 30 million on Aaron Ram Ramsdale. And supposing we sell him for 50, which, knowing our luck, is extremely hard to do. Because we just yeah. signed David Ryer. Might, might get 40. But, might get 40. So how much is the backup going to
3: cost? 10?
4: So basically, we spent all the money we made on a backup.
3: I think that it doesn't they're gonna, make any sense it doesn't make i think sense. they're either i think they'll either promote find a young goalkeeper or somebody that's seasoned yeah, no but i but i don't i don't think we can rest like but arteta's biggest problem in this whole debate is uh, number one like he's kind of over promised a little bit on raya i'm sure that he will get there and when we see the brentford raya I think we're all going to be pleased. But he said that he wanted to create a true meritocracy. And when you see mistakes like you saw at the end of the game, when you see a goalkeeper nearly costing you or costing you in games and you don't live up to your promise, you're to blame. So Arteta is getting upset when people are directing questions at him. It's like you were the one that said if a goalkeeper was having shaky moments in a game, you would sub them. In fact, you said your biggest regret ever was that you don't sub goalkeepers on 65 minutes or whatever it is. So um Arteta's got himself to blame, but I think as fans, we just got focused that it's gonna be Raya. We like no point in expending energy on getting that to shift because I don't think we're gonna see Ramsdale back in the side. I think they want to sell him.
5: I'm I'm not wedded to Ramsdale being back in in the sense that, oh, what are we doing? Ramsdale was the nuts, like he he didn't deserve to be dropped. No, Ramsdale deserved to be dropped and if he did return to the team, I would by no means feel like um you know that's that we we found a, a solution to this problem. No, I, I just am um, going along the lines that Ramsdale eventually got dropped because he deserved to get dropped. And as you say about the meritocracy, right now Raya could have no complaints in getting dropped because it's it's a gaffer game. It's probably two a game at the moment. That's not sustainable. Can't keep doing it. And listen, I I do understand that, you know, Arteta ultimately is asking certain things of Raya and it, you know, maybe is taking time. and, And I've had other people tell me that the fact that he continues to do what Arteta instructs him to do, that's why he's in the team rather than not making mistakes. The fact he still has the courage to play. And I do respect that to a certain extent. The problem comes in is there are some baseline red flags. If your keeper is nearly passing it to opposition players every game, nearly punching it in his own goal, then and obviously and he's starting to play really small. We always knew he was really small, but yes, he he can claim for it quite well. But there's other times where where he looks like quite meek in
4: comparison. So, um,
5: but I mean know, Ramsdale
4: like Ra- Ramsdale was, is bigger, but let's not forget there was a period where. Every opposition team was going. Just put the cross right under the bar. Shooting from crosses like Fabianski sh- back in the day. It was. Yeah. They, yeah, was they, they were. They were doing they, that. that and true. so we're imagining this. When we're thinking of Aaron Ramsdale, we're thinking of that save against Leicester, the man of the match against Tottenham and Liverpool, and those were the highs, and they were just incredible, incredible performances. But they really weren't. They weren't the norm. You know, it was like a no. real cross section of performances. But when you went away from home, it was every corner was, fuck me, we could concede it, mm. And I don't think you can have that. But, Matt, just
5: on that point, like I guess what it is for me, when the worm turned, it was towards the end of last season, crunch games, but what yeah. was happening with Ramsdale, it was every week. Every single time there was a game, there were gaffes happening. It wasn't like, oh, he's fucked up. A couple of weeks later or a month later, there's another gaff and you can kind of say... It's ups and downs. It was just shaky all the way through. That's where we're at with Raya right now. It's gaffs every week.
4: I, and- I, I do agree with that, because I think that Southampton game, the big thing that was aimed at Aaron Ramsdale when he passed it to whoever it was, Theo Walker or whatever, or Theo was called, it was we blamed a lack of concentration. We, that's that was the, That was the term, right? Lack of concentration. I mean, it's identical to what. And I don't think it's concentration. I think it's just it's decision making more than concentration. But although they're, they're 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 similar concepts. But yeah, we can't be that overly critical of Aaron Ramsdale doing it against Southampton at home, and then not say, wait a minute. The worst ones for me were at Chelsea. That was the worst because that was passing it to Cole Palmer or whatever. And he should have scored and it should have been 3-0. And then it really is game over. And that's, uh, And when you see the ability of the team to come back from 2-0, you realise how fatal it would have been if it had gone to 3. But it's the annoying thing about it is it's already a boring conversation.
3: It's a bo- <laughs> it, is, it is a boring conversation. But I do always go back. Like, we're, we're being hypercritical of a player that's barely played 10 games for Arsenal. Give him time everybody said Ben White no one I don't think people said... are
4: anti I don't think anyone is anti david Ryer I think there's where we're pro Ramsdale because we like him and we know him and he's been part of this journey with us that we've loved so much and is still part of um it doesn't quite fit with the narrative we were given by the coach no one was saying oh is burnt Leno going to be coming back it was like no burnt Leno's dead he's buried in the backyard he's not coming back. Uh, He's just got to sit it out for the season and they've got to full. So I think the narrative, I mean, it may have been helpful in one sense of it wasn't maybe less harsh to say, you're basically saying there's still a chance for you, Aaron. But I do think that the one thing I'd say about Aaron Ramsdale though, is I think he's such a, he's meant, he does have something about him that I would love him to come back in and go, yeah, show me what you've got. Can you do what David Ryder does? Can you slow the pace down? Can you rondo the ball? Can you up your distribution? I wouldn't put it past him. I really
3: wouldn't put it past him. I think he, he's played eight games for Arsenal. The same people pining for Aaron Ramsdale were the people that were speaking loudest about how shit Aaron Ramsdale was. So it's like... Uh, the same the, the, the same people that were criticising Ben Wyatt. He wasn't good enough after one bad performance against Brentford. I think that it's like... You, it, it is a complicated system to come into. He's part of the fabric of Brentford. Uh, you know, he was literally written into the game plan of Brentford. Like, Jurgen Klopp was like, this is like playing against the centre-back. I think he's a good goalkeeper. I think if we give him a bit of time, he's going to shake those mistakes out. Players are going to learn how to play with him. You know, like they're they're not used to a goalkeeper that will play into those positions. They're not used to a goalkeeper that is basically an auxiliary centre back. And I think it will come good. And all the people screaming in the comments saying David Raya is uh, you know he's rubbish. He's not as good as Aaron Ramsdale. Come back to me in three months, and if we're well, still in I the mean, same situation, I'll hold of, my hands up. And one of, say, of the things I've been, been talking
4: well. about because it's it's John Lukic, David Seaman. That's yeah. what it is um and i think it's really really similar john lukic had won us the league in 89 david seaman came in greatest goalkeeper Arsenal have ever had in my opinion and um you know it's if david rare wins the league who's aaron ramster <laughs> he'll literally be a footnote no one will ever remember his name
3: yeah David ray we'll will is be he... an
4: arsenal legend yeah
3: david Rea is cut cut those annoying mistakes out because I I thought they did a lot of good stuff today but it's like that punch is what's seared in my memory because it was the last thing that happened. All right guys, final uh final quick topic. Um let's talk about Arteta's uh, game management. Arsenal played a very mature game out there today. We caught them on the counterattack. Um What did you make of Arteta's performance? He's come under a lot of criticism over the last few years for how he's played in Europe. Matt, did you see something special tonight? Are we starting to turn a page on European games? I just like the way we play away from home more than I like the way we play at home.
4: Um, I think we're the the ultimate away team because we just seem to get the balance right between offence and defence a little bit. You know, it's just like we just seem a little bit more conservative when it comes to uh, protecting our goalkeeper. Um, so we can still be a threat offensively, but you know, I like, I like the balance of the team. Um, I thought we played it well. I thought there were moments where we weren't just playing in transition or on the break. We were on the front foot in the first half, especially. Um, and then, you know, we scored our goals and that allowed us to play on the break. So, you know, it was almost the ultimate away performance. The one mistake was the game was basically dead when Gabby Jesus produced that moment of magic, and letting them in with a dumb, poorly defended corner was the blot on the copybook. Because if we just seen that out for another five minutes, the stadium's quiet. We pass it around. We get a third. Game over. So um, yeah,
3: I'm 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 liking these away performances. Chelsea, Chelsea, the exception. Johnny. Why don't you answer the Arteta maturity? And listen, we've got Paul in the comments. He said, we haven't even mentioned Declan Rice. Um, So why don't you double it up? All right, then. And I will go into a little...
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm doing like a banner. Poem. Cold as rice for people oh. <laughs> that weren't watching. They were listening. Just delivered that. So we like a pun here. Um. Yeah, you know, Arteta maturity, let's just tie that up in a kind of bow really quickly and move on to what we want to be talking about. Yeah, you know, um, I think Arteta's got he's got his overall plan with the team and the team are constantly learning more and more what he expects them to do. And one little note on that, I looked at the likes of Declan Weiss, I looked at Saka and stuff, and I realised, I remember when Arteta first came in, it seemed like he strangled the club, like the, the playing squad. Like, do you remember we used to talk? There's no creativity in the team. Like, what is he actually doing? It's just too regimented. And now you look at it, and don't get me wrong. I know we've not been firing on all cylinders, but the players always know what they what they're meant to do now, and it it offers so many different possibilities. And, and obviously, if we do, hopefully we will click soon. We are going to be really hard to stop. Declan Rice, I, I think he might be our best player now. And it is terrifying to think that a player we could bring in and within 10 games, he's basically like, you go as I go, Arsenal. He is unbelievable. When you go away from home, those European nights, have you got the leaders? Have you got the legs? Have you got the guts? Declan's got it all. He literally. It was a moment I saw Sergio Ramos and him at a corner. They're giving it a bit of a bit of a wrestle, and Declan bundles him over onto the floor. Sergio jumps up, and they literally give it, you know, give each other a little high five or whatever as they run off. That's real, recognised, real right there. That's what it is. I think people know about Declan. I think he's formed for England. The fact that he dragged lowly West Ham to uh, their first European trophy. He will be appearing on European teams radar. And with performances like that, if he isn't the best defensive midfielder in, in Europe, in the world, he's on a very fucking short list. And we know the other usual suspects, Rodri, people like that. Those are the names you mentioned with him. Phenomenal. And as I say, you know, you know the other players that I love, but I think at the moment, Declan
4: is
3: our best player, and that is unreal. Matt, you want to say any nice things about uh, Declan?
4: <laughs> oh, just I, I mean, I'm still in disbelief that we've got him. It feels like a dream. It doesn't really quite. It's it's so arsenal When did we go out and spend 100 million on the best player out there, and then they bed in and they're fucking brilliant? Like it's so rare. It's so rare to spend 100 million and it work out. He makes $105 million look like a bargain. He absolutely does. And I think the great thing about it is I don't think we've even begun to see his full worth. Because it's all about the end of the season. I've been saying this over and over again. That's why I'm laughing at Tottenham. Occam's uh, razor, mate. Yeah. Occam's razor, mate. Occam's <laughs> razor. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Uh, but it's... but. For me, it's all about just staying in contention, keeping legs fresh, not hitting best form, but staying within knocking distance, just like showing glimpses. And then February, March, knocking on the door and just saying, where are all the trophies? I'm coming in to take them. And that for me is when, that's why I'm like, give Jorginho, give give 15 games on the trot, take minutes off some of these players' legs, give Eddie some run-outs. You know, let Zinchenko and Tommy Yassi rotate. But when it comes to February, March and the big games, I want to know who the big players are. Declan Rice is going to be the player that when, you're two, when it's two all at West Ham away and you've got 10 minutes to go, he finds the 3-2. When it's three all against Southampton, instead of the shot hitting the bar, it hits the bar and goes in. When you're away at Liverpool, you get the win. And when you're on the floor and you're playing Manchester City away, somehow you manage to get what you need. He's the kind of player who can do that. He's the kind of player. Arsene Wenger used to talk about, um, Paul Merson said Arsene Wenger gave him unbelievable belief. Declan
3: Rice gives me unbelievable belief. And I'm just,
4: thank fuck he's here.
3: All right. Well, there's not much left to be said about Declan Rice. We are lucky to have him. We're lucky to have three points away from home in the Champions League. And uh, hopefully by the end of December, we'll feel like we're lucky to have David Raya, um, on that note, we're going to finish up. We've given you an hour and two minutes of spicy opinions. We've got a young lady sitting next to Matt in the room at the moment. she's live on a podcast, making her podcast debut uh before she's five years old. Unbelievable. Um, all right, and uh, I guess I'll say thank you for listening. If you like this sort of content, we do Patreons. I dropped the David raya special, Johnny does his ratings which is super spicy and we do all of the before the whistles um, for the league games and we'll be on before Sheffield United. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, give it a five-star review. If you like this on uh, on the internet, also subscribe. That makes us happy. And uh, I guess on that note, I'm going to turn the loop off and we'll say ciao for now. Ciao for now, people. Ciao for now.
1: 18 plus.